If you have your Bibles, turn to uh, turn to Isaiah chapter chapter nine. And as I've been ministering, you see the thirteen or fourteen different messages on altars. And uh, this morning, I'm not going to talk about altars. Some of you are like, oh, oh. You know, I'm not one that just goes out, okay, I need a Christmas message, you know, I need this, I need a Christmas message, but this morning you're going to get a Christmas message. <laughs> and, um, and you know, the, it, <laughs> I told my wife I won't sing. Um, my wife told me, more or less my wife told me not to sing, and she said, amen. <laughs> See, I wish I was a pastor that could sing, because I just can't, you know, it's just like, you know, I, stay, I have to stay in my lane, you know, stay in my lane. But sometimes I have a microphone and you, 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 you can't stop me. <laughs> and I got Eric Jackson back there. He goes, I can hit mute though. <laughs> Thank you, Deborah. Some people believe in me and those hidden gifts that have yet been to develop, uh, yet to be developed. Um, It was like Tuesday morning. I, I woke up and, I, you know, I don't... My wife will have dreams like every night. She has dreams, deep dreams, spiritual dreams. I mean, visitations from the Lord. And I'm like, Lord, I don't get any of those. I, I wake up, she's, what do you dream? I, I have no clue. No clue. <laughs> well, I thought it had something to do with the cheeseburger. And I'm not, not sure. <laughs> Can I get an amen? <laughs> well, I woke up on, this was Tuesday morning, and I, I woke up singing the song, Oh, Little Town of Bethlehem. <laughs> like, where does this come? Oh, Little Town of Bethlehem. So, you, you, know, you know the song? <laughs> can, can, you, can you help me out with just a little bit? Come on, somebody else. Come on, do you know it, Deborah? You start us. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie above thy deep and dreamless sleep. The silent stars go by, and in the dark night shining, the ever. Lasting light. Now listen to this. The hopes and fears of all the years are met with thee tonight. Now think about it. the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Now this this carol, or actually it's a hymn. Well, it was written in 1868 by a guy named Phyllis, Philip Brooks. He graduated graduated Harvard when he was 20 years of age in 1855. And um, he wrote this carol in 1866 while he was staying in Bethlehem. And he wrote it, and the purpose he wrote it was to be able to teach it to his Sunday school class in Boston, Massachusetts. And, and so I was, I was looking at this, and, and that was back when Harvard was a Christian school, you know. Um, and, and he wrote it, and, and I was thinking about that phrase, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Well, who's the thee? The thee is Bethlehem. 
It's talking about, oh, little town of Bethlehem. And, and so it's in Bethlehem, hope and fear met. You see, when Jesus showed up on the scene, fear met its match. You, you have to see that, that hope, you see, Romans chapter 8 says, if you see it, then it's not hope. I'm, I'm just, that's my paraphrase. It's like, how can you see, you know, see, hope is something you haven't seen yet. So, when Bethlehem, when Jesus showed up in Bethlehem, it was no longer a hope, but now it's faith. Fear met its match in Bethlehem. So all the hope and fears throughout the years were met when Jesus showed up in Bethlehem. You see, Christmas, what is Christmas about? Christmas is about gifts given and gifts received. Let me say it again. Christmas is about gifts given and gifts received. Can you say that with me? Christmas is about gifts given and gifts received. You say, well, pastor, are you telling me that, that, that Christmas is about materialism? No, I'm saying Christmas is about gifts given and gifts received. Let's look here in Romans, I mean, Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Now think about that. A child is born... But it wasn't just a child being born, but at the same time, it was a son being given. He wasn't just a baby or a child in a manger, but he was a son that was given. And it says, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. The government. This word government is not really necessarily the way we think of Government, but this is really dominion and rule. The dominion and rule will be upon his shoulder. And this isn't the action of ruling. This is a noun of ruling. This is, this is, he will be the authority. Meaning he will be the government. He will be not a rule, but he will be the rule. So this son that's given, he will be the rule that will be, will be given on his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Now, and of the increase of his government, the rule, and peace, there shall be no end. Say no end. Let that just sink in just for a moment. Of the increase of his government, of the increase of the abundance of his rule and dominion, and the increase of his peace, there be, shall be no end. I'm telling you, there is no end to authority, his authority, and there's no end to his peace. You can never get so far into something that his peace is not available. And there's so much we could say in these two, just these two verses. It says, but there uh, no, shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom 
to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, I could say from this day forward, even forever. So everything that we're talking about, this son that's given, that his name will be wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, in the increase of his government and his peace, there shall be no end. And it says from this day forward, it will be forever. And then it says this, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The zeal will perform it. What is zeal? What is zeal? Zeal is desire. Zeal is passion. Zeal is a heart that's overcome with a purpose. And so it's saying the zeal of the Lord of hosts, the zeal of Yehovah. The zeal, the passion, Rick, of, of Jehovah, the, the creator of the universe, the, the one that's ever loving, the one that whom nothing is impossible. This Jehovah, the Lord of hosts, Jehovah, who is the host of all the, the, the angels, all the angels. And it says it's by that one that he will perform this. See, God is so in love with you. God is so in love with you, whether you feel loved or not. You need to know that, that, that the Christmas story is all about God's intense love for you. God's intense passion for you. His, his intense desire for you to be a part of his family. The whole reason why, why God brought Jesus on the scene was not so we could go to heaven one day. The whole reason that God sent his only son was that we could get back to back, back to a face-to-face relationship with a heavenly father. It's not about, hey, I made Jesus the Lord of my life and I'm just going to mark all these good things I've done. No, no, it's about, it's about you having a face-to-face relationship with a heavenly father. And that was God's desire. So God was going to bring this to pass because his desire and his passion. Meaning, I'm going to do this, Sam, because I love them and I will perform this. I will accomplish it. I will make it happen. Let's go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. While you're turning, oh, little town of Bethlehem, still be sleepy. Luke chapter 2, where shall we be in? Let's, for the sake of time, let's look at verse 10. And this angel said unto them. Now, it's interesting that if we look at prophecy... Whether we're looking at Isaiah or whether we're looking at this angel, a prophet is all about speaking the will of God to humanity. That's what a prophet's all about. As a pastor, my heart this morning is to preach to you the Father's heart. So anytime we see a messenger from heaven whether it's a prophet in the Old Testament or whether it's an angel in the Old Testament or an angel in the New Testament, we need, to, we need to turn our ears towards it because it lets us know that God wants us to know something. And what does He want us to know? His heart. See, this is 66 books of His heart. Written by 40 different authors over a 1500 year period of time over different parts of the world and yet it still connects together. 
And so here we have this, this angel that's about to speak and he said, and, and the angel says this, fear not for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Yeah, good tidings, good news, good things of great joy. I like that. See, these are good things that should bring great joy. If nothing else today, you need to leave here with great joy because you're going to hear good tidings. If you don't leave church with, with some great joy, then you probably didn't hear good tidings. You know, my heart as a pastor, even if I got to correct you, you're going to leave here with a smile on your face. <laughs> I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all, all, all people. Not just Jewish people. People are like. Yeah. Next time someone asks you what race you are, just tell them the human race. You're like, but you're white and you're black and you're this and you're that and you're this. No, we're the human race. So one of the biggest issues is we try to classify things that we shouldn't classify. Bottom line, there's one race. And it's the human race. I can show you that in scripture. I just didn't have time this morning. For all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. A savior, which is Christ the Lord. Can I get an amen? Now think about this. A savior. Did you need a savior? I know I did. Do you need a healer? Do you need a restorer? Do you need a deliverer? See, this is good tidings of great joy for all people. Bring you good tidings of great joy for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you that you shall find find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God. See, the angel's about to announce something else. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Goodwill towards men. Goodwill towards men. Goodwill towards men. God's will for you is good. On earth peace. Goodwill towards men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them to heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord had made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph in the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad saying, saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that had heard and seen as it was told them. Mary pondered them in her heart. The word ponder is not just to think about. The equivalent to this word ponder in the New Testament would be the same as meditate in Joshua 1.8. Meditate the word day and night. 
is not just to think about it, but it actually means to speak it to yourself. One word is mutter. It means to say to yourself softly. Meditate the word day and night. It's not just thinking about it. It's part of it, but it's also saying it to yourself. It's, it's saying it. So when it said Mary pondered these things, you can look it up. Go look it up in the, in, in, in the, in the Greek. And it doesn't just mean to think about it. It means to speak to oneself. That's what that word ponder means, to speak to oneself. So she's speaking to herself all these things. She's pondering in her heart. Wow. What is she remembering? What is she thinking about? Let's go to Micah chapter 5. As you're turning, you can sing, Oh, little town of Bethlehem, I'll still be seen. See, some of you aren't being obedient right now. You should be singing. I'm probably like you. I can't sing and turn at the same time. Now listen to some, let's see if I have it here. Listen to some of these other verses while you're, while you're turning there of, of this um, course. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glidings, glad tidings tell. O come to us, abide with us, O Lord Emmanuel. Another verse says, how silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him, still the dear Christ enters in. These are all the different verses of, I just thought you might want to know that. But But so what was Mary pondering in her heart? They, the Jewish people weren't ignorant of Scripture. They weren't ignorant of Isaiah. Maybe she was pondering Isaiah chapter 9. For unto us, child is born. Unto us, a son is given. And the government shall rest upon his shoulder. And his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Maybe she was, maybe she was pondering that. Maybe she was thinking on that. Maybe she was thinking on Micah chapter 5. Verse 2, I'll read this in the Amplified. It says, But you, Bethlehem Ephratah, you are little to be among the clans of Judah, yet out of you shall one come forth. So here Micah is prophesying about Jesus. And it's interesting that he uses this phrase, Bethlehem Ephratah. Now, the word Bethlehem means house of bread. But the word Ephratah means a place of, uh, what do you call it, fulfillment. It's a place of fruitfulness. What, why is this, why, why would this, why would they just say Bethlehem? I believe this is significant because you have to know something about Ephratah. Because it was the same area, and we first see this in, in Genesis when Jacob, who was named Israel, and his wife, Rachel, died. She was buried in Ephrathah. And who was she? She was going to be the mother of Israel and God's people. Yet God, later on in future years, takes a Mary, and she gives birth to where Rachel died to give birth to a covenant people. 
So here Micah is prophesying and says, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, you are little to be among the clans of Judah, yet out of you shall one come forth for me, for me, who is the ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been from old, from the ancient of days. Now it's saying this one that's going to come, he's going to be one that came from the beginning. Who, who was Jesus? Jesus was also the lamb that was slain, what, from the foundation of the world. Now it's saying this one that is coming, this one that's going to come, been from old in the ancient of days. Therefore, he shall give them up until that time that she who travails has brought forth. Then what is left of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel. And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. For then shall he be great even to the ends of the earth. This is talking about Jesus. And what did Isaiah say? That this government and this peace, there shall be no end. And here it says this one that's coming, that's going to be born in in Bethlehem, Ephrathah, he's going to come and he's going to secure and he's going to establish his people. And this is going to be forever. Maybe Mary was pondering this. I'm in Bethlehem and I'm, I'm the one that travailed. Pondering who is this I just gave birth to? Who is this child? Who is this Savior? Who is this one where the angel showed up to me and the angel showed up to Joseph and said, we shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. What are all the things that she's pondering in her heart? The little town of Bethlehem, but yet it had great significance. You have great significance. Mary could have limited herself by who she was, limited herself by being a young woman. But yet, there was something on the inside of her that was significant. Go to Luke chapter 1. What did Mary ponder in her heart? For the sake of time, let's look at verse 30. Luke 1, verse 30. An angel said to her, remember the the Lord's always going to come with a message, right? To speak the will of God. What's the first thing? The angel says, fear not, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in the womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great. Wow. You say that with me. He shall be great. What was she pondering? These are the the messages that came from prophets. And this is a message that came to her. What is she pondering when 
the shepherd showed up, was she pondering this message? He shall be great. This word great means to be preeminent. It means to be distinguished. It means to surpass all others in ability, virtue, authority, and power. He shall be great. Pondered. Have you thought about his greatness lately? Have you thought about his greatness? I think sometimes we can be so often quick to speak things. We need, first need to sit back and just, just think about things. Wow. See, well, I don't have to look at it in past tense because he's already here. He is great. He is great. See, in Bethlehem, on that day when the, the shepherds came, it went from a was to an is. It went to a shall be to it is. He is great. He's great. He's good. And the rule and dominion and authority shall be upon his shoulders. And he's going to take on everything. He's going to take on everything for humanity. And it'll never end. He shall be great. He shall be Mighty, he shall be preeminent above anything else. He will be surpassing in virtue, in power, ability. Man, it doesn't matter what you might be facing or dealing with and what might be going, just take a moment and just get quiet and just say, He's great. He is far beyond what I'm going through right now. His peace is far greater than my loss. His strength is far greater than my weakness. His ability is so far greater than my own ability. He's great. He's great. But see, we can let the Christmas story just go by us. And not really ponder who Jesus is. He shall be great and he shall be called the son of the highest. This is verse 32. He shall be called the son of the highest, meaning he is going to be the son of the most high God. El Elyon. Wow. Maybe she's pondering that way. I'm giving birth to the son of the most high God. Wow. Let's just think for a moment. You know what? You are in the presence of the Most High God right now. It doesn't matter if you feel it. It's not about feeling His presence. It's not about feeling the anointing. It's not about feeling it. It's just knowing He never leaves me nor forsakes me. But so often we get so quick. To just do and do and do and do and do instead of sit back, just be for a moment. Yes. 
He's the healer, not me. He's the provider, not me. I believe these are the things that Mary's pondering. She's, she's talking to herself about. He should be the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. Wait, wait come on, God, wait a minute. My husband is a carpenter. Angel, I think you showed up at the wrong house. I mean, you, yeah, okay, yeah. Son of the highest, uh, but wait a minute. He's going to be on the throne of his father, David. We're nobody's angel. (laughs) Yet my son is going to be on the throne of David. Verse 33 says, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. Now listen to this, end of his kingdom, there shall be no end. Now don't go to sleep on me, all right? Are you, are you awake? Now think about th- these several instances I've shown you in scripture in Isaiah 9 and I, Micah chapter 5 and the, the angel is com- coming here. And what are, they, what are we hearing this, this constant thing? There shall be no end. There shall be no end to his rule. There shall be no end to his authority. There shall be no end to his peace. There shall be no end to how wonderful he is, how good he is, how amazing he is, how strong is strong he is. She's pondering these things. And there'll be no end to his rule, no end to his authority. Go to Daniel chapter 7. You and I need to see ourselves in the light of who we are as born again Christians. Can I ask you a question? Have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? Just raise your hands. I mean, you believe that Jesus died on the cross, rose again for you? Man, he's great. He's great. He's, he's far surpassing anything. I mean, these are good, not good tidings of great joy for all people. But sometimes we leave ourselves in this position of how does the story end? This kingdom that has no end, this government, this rule and dominion that would be on his shoulders. Let's look at this in Daniel chapter 7. Because this is a vision that Daniel is seeing. This isn't a vision for his day. It's a vision for our day. So remember, anything from God is to let us know God's heart. It's probably the most different Christmas message you've ever heard. (laughs) 
Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. So Daniel says, in the Amplified, says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, on the clouds of the heaven came one like the Son of Man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. Now, what did Micah say? This one that would come from Bethlehem, right? And he would have been from the beginning. He would have been from the Ancient of Days. See, here it says, and he came to the Ancient of Days. The other time was you came for it. Now he's saying it came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And there was given him the Messiah. Now, listen this. Dominion and glory and kingdom. The, this is talking about the, the child that was born, the son that's given, and the, the son that was given. Here is saying, and I've given him dominion and glory and kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. Wow. So we can hear a song, O little town of Bethlehem, but not understand that what was happening in this insignificant town of Bethlehem was bringing about the greatest encounter in history. He shall be great. Pondering these things, talking about these things. So this Messiah, this Jesus, the, the glory, the kingdom, and all the people, nations, and language should serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and His kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. You can't destroy God's kingdom. It, you, can't, you can't outlaw God's kingdom. You can't sign a bill to get rid of God's kingdom. You can't wish away God's kingdom. I mean, this book was tried to be outlawed and, and burned and, and hid, hidden and locked, but it's the only book in its, it's ever resurrected itself. But yet at the same time, even when people doubt it, all of a sudden they find something in 1948, like the Dead Sea Scroll and say, hey, I'm here. He's great. He's great. He's great. There's nothing that surpasses him. There's nothing that surpasses his kingdom. And there's nothing that can destroy his kingdom. Verse 15 says, As for me, Daniel, my spirit was grieved and anxious within me. And the vision of my head alarmed me and agitated me. <laughs> He's like, wait a minute. I don't, I don't understand this. You know, uh, when God told me years ago to prepare myself to pastor. And I said, I don't want to pastor. I didn't want to pastor because I was like Daniel here. There's things that are agitating me right now because I don't want to pastor. I don't want to talk in front of people. So there's things that God will show you and sometimes you're like, I don't want to do that. Maybe you mean something else or someone else. And that's what Daniel is. I'm seeing this and he's like, wow. We've been subject to the Babylonians my whole life. And how, I don't, this isn't making sense to me. Verse 16 says, I came near to one of those who stood there and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and he made known to me the interpretation of these things. These four great beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth. And I can give you my interpretation of who those kings are. But verse 18 says, but the saints of the most high. 
Now, see, you you got to know who you are to really get a hold. you got to really to be excited that you're a child of God. See, most people, Christians don't even know what they have a right to or who they are as believers. They're like, well, I'm saved. Wait a minute. But the saints of the Most High God shall receive the kingdom. The saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever. So not only is it, not only is it Jesus talking and, and it's talking to all these prophets and saying that this kingdom will be forever. Now Daniel's looking ahead to our day and he's now saying, wait a minute. He's saying the, the, the saint, that's why he couldn't understand this. He's like, he's like, he's like, wait a minute. The saints, you mean people like me are going to receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom. You see, the Christmas story is about gifts given and gifts received. I want you to see this morning, it's about a kingdom given and a kingdom received. It's about a kingdom possessed. It's about possessing a kingdom. Me receiving Jesus is about me possessing and being a part of his kingdom. You see, when he took me in Colossians, it says that he took me out of darkness and he brought me into the kingdom of the light of his dear son. That's Colossians chapter. He took me out of darkness and he brought me into the kingdom of his dear son. That's not when I get to heaven one day. That's right now. I'm a part of his kingdom. (laughs) Ephesians chapter two says I'm seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hebrews talks about that there are just men that are standing at the throne of God that have not yet been made perfect. That's why I can come boldly to the throne of grace and receive help in the time of need. Why? Because what Jesus did and because of the baby being born in a manger, I can now receive a kingdom and possess a kingdom. See, when you understand, I mean, it's a little more exciting than that Peanuts pageant thing. I'm telling you, I, I love the Peanuts. I do. I, I love Charlie Brown. And, and that's one of my favorite cartoons for Christmas. I do. But I'm telling you, when you say, I mean, just think if Charlie Brown stood up and said, hey, guys, we possess the kingdom and we receive the kingdom. Well, let's no doubt go out and let's be the kingdom. Thank you, Valinda. Think I will. I mean, you, the Christmas story is so much bigger than just a baby being born in a manger. I see the, the manger is the manifestation of the love of God in the earth. And the cross is the fulfillment of the love of God in the earth. So Daniel says this, he says, but the saints of the most high shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. If you want some more examples of, of this, you can, you can write down Romans chapter eight, verse 17. You can write down first Peter two, nine and revelations three twenty one. Like I said, this is, I, I'm not just going to just quote something that's, well, this is just my interpretation. No, the, the scripture is going to explain itself. Verse 19 says, 
Then I wished to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the others, exceedingly terrible and shocking, whose teeth were of iron and the nails of bronze, which devoured, broke, and crushed, and trampled what was left with his feet, and about the ten horns representing the kings that were on its head, and the other horns which came up later, and before the three horns fell, the horn which had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things, which looked greater than the others. Verse 21 says, As I looked, the horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them. But verse 22 says, Until the Ancient of Days came. Until the Ancient of Days came. And judgment was given to the saints of the Most High God. And the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. Verse 27. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole of the heavens shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is everlasting kingdom. And all the dominions shall serve and obey him. Mm. And right at the end, Daniel goes, I kept all these things in my mind and in my heart. We need to keep in our mind and our heart. Who we are as believers. It's more than just being born in the little town of Bethlehem. But he is where hope and fears for all the years are met with him tonight. The hope that the people were looking forward to, a savior and a redeemer, that hope was fulfilled in Bethlehem. But at the same time, fear ended at Bethlehem. Thank you, Father. Stand to your feet. Thank you, Father. We praise you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We glorify you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Joseph, you can play. Cassie, you can go up there with him as well. Hallelujah. Let's wait upon the Lord for a moment. for sending Jesus through this season of Christmas remind us to ponder the greatness of our King let's think about and talk about 
through him he far that he far surpasses this preeminent nothing can be compared to him a kingdom that can't be destroyed. Thank you, Lord, that your kingdom is not meat and drink, as Romans 14, 17 says. Your kingdom is not something that we can look at tangibly. It's not meat and drink. It's not physical. But I thank you that you went on and said that your kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Thank you because of Jesus, we've been made righteous. That He's given us a fresh new identity. That old things passed away and all things have become new. Thank you that the kingdom you've given us peace, a peace that passes all understanding. A peace that I believe isn't just a tranquil state of feeling, but I believe that your peace is actually power. And your peace is power that makes right. Your peace is a power that restores. Just like when Jesus said, peace be still over the raging sea. When they were crossing to the other side. When he said, peace be still. I I believe that peace wasn't the calm. But I believe peace is what produced the calm. So Father, I say, peace be still over every person in this place tonight. This morning, I thank you that we have the kingdom, we possess the kingdom, and therefore we have righteousness and we have peace. I believe healing is found in that peace. Say, Pastor Justin, I, I really need peace today. I really need peace today. I don't know what that peace might look for you, like look like for you. Because we have a kingdom and we possess a kingdom, and that kingdom can't be destroyed. So I believe his peace is here today. Jesus even said, I believe in Luke 22, possibly. He said, he said, when he cast out the spirit with the finger of God, he said that you'll know that the spirit of God came among you. That means when that person was made free, the peace of God, which is also the kingdom of God, came among them. If you need peace today, you could come to the altar. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Rick and Cassie, Eric, Nikki, Joseph, Charlene, Vic, if you want to come up here as well. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father.
Thank you, Lord. I thank you for peace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for peace. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you. Hallelujah. Vic, can you pray for her? I'm going to pray for Tommy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Just come up quickly. Maybe healing in your body. A lot of times when we think of peace, we think of something that's mental or emotional. And rightfully so. But if something is out of order in my physical body, then my body doesn't have peace. Jesus said, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. But then Jesus later on says, I went about preaching the kingdom of God to other cities also because that's why I'm sent. But he said, I preached the kingdom of God. But what did he preach? The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. To heal the brokenhearted. To deliver those that were set set free from the bruised. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray for him. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Cassie. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Joseph. Just can down here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. He preached the gospel to the poor. Someone that's poor, they don't have peace. Someone that's brokenhearted doesn't have peace. Thank you, Father. Your peace come upon this situation. Father, I thank you as we pray for them. We don't pray from a position of weakness. We don't pray and declare from a position of weakness, but we pray from a position of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. I'm not waiting for Jesus to come. Jesus has already come. I'm not waiting for Jesus to heal a physical body. He healed bodies when he took stripes upon his back 2,000 years ago. Thank you, Father. There's people here. There's people here that are, you've been tormented by fear. If you've just had, you've had sleepless nights and you haven't been able to sleep, just come to the altar real quick. Come to the altar and and one of our leaders are going to pray for you. Hallelujah. Peace in this situation. Mm. Mm. Let the kingdom of God come upon this situation. That righteousness comes upon this situation. Make things right. Make things right. Make things right. You are Jehovah Sidkenu. You are Jehovah our righteousness. And because of that, there's a right to wholeness. There's a right to peace. There's a right to joy. There's a right to come boldly to the throne of grace. There's a right. There's a right to access covenant. There's a right. There's a right. There's a right. Oh, right, right. Make things right. Peace, 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 peace. Oh, hallelujah. And joy enters in. And joy enters in. Joy enters in. Joy enters in. Joy enters in. Oh, hallelujah. Where righteousness is, where peace is, joy enters in. Joy. Joy comes on the scene. Joy comes on the scene. Hallelujah. Where faith. Hallelujah. (laughs) Thank you, Father, for peace and joy. Peace and joy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, hallelujah. 
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Oh, peace. Let your peace. Let your peace. Let your peace. your peace surround this place. Let your peace, let your peace, let your peace fill this place. Oh, where peace is, where peace is, where peace is, where peace is, where peace is. Let your peace, let your peace, let your peace flow in this place. January twenty third of nineteen ninety three. Being in my sister's living room and being addicted to alcohol with a respiratory disease. And I cried out to you, went into church, said, I love you, I love you. And I heard that voice say, tell me you love me. I said, I love you, I love you, I love you. In the end, when it was all done and, and finished, it changed from I love you to I love you, Lord. And and there was something that came on me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Not knowing it, not being churched, not understanding the reality and the presence and the peace of God. It was something that flooded my physical body. But not just my physical body, but it, it totally touched my soul. There was things that were, that were hurt down on the inside of me. Words that people had spoken Things I'd done, mistakes I'd made, people I'd hurt. And so your peace, your kingdom invaded my darkness that day. On that Sunday night at six o'clock in the evening. And I know now what I sensed was the peace of God. It was peace. Not because all of a sudden my life was fixed. Not because all of a sudden things had changed. Yes, yes, I was healed in my body. Yes, I was healed in my body. But something went on the inside of me. And totally affected my emotions. Totally affected all that I am. Yeah, it touched my physical body. But it went in and touched the places that I wouldn't let anyone else touch. I wouldn't let anyone else know my struggles. The thoughts of not wanting to live. The thoughts of killing myself. The thoughts of not being significant. The 
peace came in such a way that just didn't totally affected me. See, God doesn't just care about, realize that God just didn't care about 33% of me. Thessalonians, the last few verses in Thessalonians chapter 5 said, Paul says, I pray that your whole spirit, your whole soul, and your whole body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's not when we get to heaven, that's when he comes. Meaning in that verse I could see, I could see in that verse I saw that that he cares about my physical body, he cares about my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions, and he cares about my spirit. And now today, I am a spirit. I have a soul and I live in a body. Up to that time for 20 years, my soul was leading my body and it was totally, it totally was destroying me. But when, oh, when the spirit of God came on the inside and made me a new creation. Oh, wow. When, yes, when he aligned, when I was in right alignment, it was now my spirit was leading my soul that was directing my body. Oh, He loves every part of you. He just didn't die for you that you go to heaven one day. He died for you so you could be complete and whole. Spirit, soul, and body. I just said that out of my heart and you're saying... And you know something's happening right here in the center of your, I call your spirit man, here. There's, there's something's happening. You just come forward real quick. The Holy Spirit's here. You are faithful. Let your peace. Let your peace, let your peace surround us here. Let your peace, let your peace, let your peace surround us here. Let your peace, let your peace, let your peace surround us here. Can you come here a second? Thank you, Jesus. So stand there. Just don't let anyone put you in a box. I remember going to Bible school, and all of a sudden there was this, this preconceived idea. Like, oh, when you finish Bible school, okay, you're going to do this thing, and then you're going to do this thing, and. And this is what ministry is. And this is what... And then all of a sudden you can get to a thing where you're doing things based on what everyone else thinks you should do. And, 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 and I mean, if this doesn't bear witness with your heart, then, you know, you just pray over it, put it, 
just it didn't confirm anything. But the Lord just said, said, I've not made you to fit inside of a box. There's not one place that I've sent you All I can tell you is just so much more than you think it is. And the reason, I, the reason you almost like felt like that you don't fit different places. Because what I have for you is even bigger than even some ideas that you have. You know, I, to, I had Jeremiah write to, to a group of people and... Uh, you know, and I, and I told Jeremiah to say, I know the thoughts and plans I have for you. But before that, I had to tell him, I said, you have to write this because because sometimes it says there's people. He said, don't pay attention to their dreams and don't even pay attention to your own dreams because I have plans for you. So sometimes people will confine us and even leadership around us can confine us. And then all of a sudden we're wondering, why does why does this feel like I, I keep hitting a lid in certain things and and and. Because you're, I just, you're bigger than any box that you have been in, and you've tried to conform to different people's boxes or different ideas when, when you weren't made for that box. You were made for glory. Yeah, there was a time that I held, held head glory in a box because people couldn't contain it. But there are some things that, that need to come out of you. Yeah, people see gifts and they talent and people want to use different things. But yeah, there's, there's, there's more there. There's more there. There's more there. So this next season will not be like any other season. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Father. We praise you, Father. We praise you, Father. You're faithful, you're faithful, you're faithful. Mm. And just put your arm, wrap your arms around yourself. And say, God loves me. Mm. Say this before the foundation of the world. chosen by him he's given me his kingdom I choose to walk in the light as he is in the light thank you father just give him praise thank you for the word today thank you father we praise you we glorify you you're faithful, you're faithful, you're faithful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Annette, do you have anything? No? Alan, Rick, Eric, Nikki, hallelujah, anyone have anything? Thank you, Jesus. You are faithful. Hmm. You know, we had the, um, we had a police clergy meeting here this past Thursday, and I thanked everyone that came out to volunteer, and it was interesting to hear even a city, city councilman, which I really enjoy meeting, Jared Williams, for our district. And But hearing them say things when they walk in, even on a Thursday night, they just said, something's different about this place. I mean, I know what it is. I mean, it's the, it's the presence of God. You see, the presence of God is tangible. Wow. I don't want to do it without Him. I don't want you to do life without Him. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Nikki, you come on up. It's hard to close out the service like this.